You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt. And not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent, and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Jeff Lindsay, host of The Lindsay Way, is on the show. We discuss involving family in your business, trail camera strategy, moon phase, his first elk hunt, and more. I hope you enjoy the show. You are listening to Tales from the Field, presented by Outdoor Edge. Stories, tips, tactics, and in-depth conversations coming to you from industry leaders. Let's get into the show. Today we have Jeff Lindsay on the podcast. Uh, Really looking forward to this uh, guy that uh, was seemingly all about whitetails and turkeys and, and has evolved into uh, really loving elk hunting and so much more. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time out today to hop on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, um, I, there's not a whole lot more besides actually going hunting that I like. Uh, aside, you know, over talking hunting, <laughs> I could do that for a while. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All day long, man. We love it. We leave, live it and breathe it. It's a lifestyle. So can't wait to chat it up. Yeah, absolutely. So 
kind of first off, Jeff, why don't you tell the tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and kind of how Lindsay Way was was kind of conceived. Okay, yeah. Well, we're headed into our sixth year of the Lindsay Way, and uh, we're father and son kind of a team, if that's what you want to call it. But uh, we've been hunting together. You know, I've been hunting together ever since I was uh, old enough to walk. I, he's been taking me out there. And uh, probably about 15 years ago, we got in with Drury Outdoors and uh, bought a bought one of Mark Drury's um, older farms and kind of became really good friends with him. And he was uh, over at the house one night, and we had filmed some hunts like three kills in two days or something that week it was the middle of the rut they were all over decoys and awesome. it was pretty he thought it was pretty good footage you know for uh rookies looking back you know we definitely could have could have been a little better but nonetheless he's like man we need to get you guys on the team and we're like heck yeah that sounds good you know it was uh let's get after it yeah. and uh we uh we were with jury for a while and and we did their their dream season for four or five years competed on that and that was a lot of fun and you know brought out a little more competitive side of hunting you know which some people love some people don't but it was fun um and then it just got to the point where we kind of felt like it was time to do our own thing you know it was uh, i knew we we, we want to get our family involved you know i was had a kid on the way it made a lot of sense uh kind of do our own thing get our family involved a little more and uh kind of tell our story that's what we we wanted to do and we spent four years on the sportsman's channel and just recently got moved to the outdoor channel so we're on it um 52 weeks a year now and exciting stuff and you know a lot of people ask us you know what is the Lindsay way or, or why did you come up with that name i mean we had some names we thought sounded pretty good and at the end of the day you know we just said hey we just kind of want to give a you know stories behind the bu- our bucks that we hunt and kind of how we do things so that that name just kind of stuck and you know now looking back I'm 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 definitely glad we we went that direction. Yeah, and I think I think it's really neat, you know, that you had mentioned uh you know, you wanted to be able to move into doing, you know, doing the Lindsay way yourself so that you could do things like get family involved. And you know, me me being a father of two boys, it's kind of the it's it's interesting to me because what other industry and profession can you have bring your kid to work day every day, basically, maybe maybe other than when you're doing something like a, a voiceover or podcast, right? But but, right, yeah. but other than that, I mean, if you really think about it, it's it's pretty tough to find any other type of, of industry or job or or business model that that allows you to truly involve your family and, and still make progress and move forward and, and everything like that. Like it's, it's really cool. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I never really thought of it that way, but it is, it's a lifestyle, you know, growing up, it was, you know, I'd go to the deer camp on the weekends with my dad. That was, you know, our hunting was pretty much Friday afternoon, Saturday and get back to church on Sunday, you know? So that was about it. Now it's, uh, you know, year round food plots or, or trimming shooting lanes, hanging stands, you know, uh, right. podcast round tables, the whole shebang. So it truly is a lifestyle now. So it's, it's evolved. And and if you can get your family involved, you know, it, um, I know some guys look for an escape to that, but I don't, you know, I, I, 
my family could go with me on every trip, I would, I would love that, you know? So it's, uh, and my wife hunts, you know, she's, she's not hardcore, but she'll shoot a deer or two a year. And she shot a big elk last year, one bigger than anything I've ever, any elk I've ever shot. So, uh, <laughs> doesn't that sting um, a little? <laughs> and my son, yeah, a little, she, she's, she's got that to hold her in my head. So I got to get some redemption here in about another month and a half. There you go. But my son loves it, you know, and my daughter, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she'll love it. But my son, he really loves fishing, and but uh, um, he loves hunting as well. He's killed, he's six. He's already killed two deer, two turkeys, and and he's pretty pumped up about a couple of the tags he's got this fall. So that is should incredible. be a good time. That that is that's just that's awesome. Uh, like, cause just I mean, imagine imagine being you know a a banker or even something that that people want to do, you know, that think would be super cool, being in the NBA. There is no way that you could right. be like, hey, my six-year-old kid, why don't you come with me to practice? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, we're uh, shooting our bows together, you know, the other yeah. afternoon. We're shooting our bows together in the backyard. So, yeah, that was our practice. And, you know, he goes with me to – change trail you know change cards on cameras or move them around or feed the deer you know the big time whatever he's he loves being involved in that i almost think he enjoys that part of it you know as much as the hunt itself just you know kind of like me so that's cool and, and that's what i want him to enjoy you know because right. that's the whole thing you got to understand the whole process Absolutely. yeah there's more to just going out and pulling the trigger right right and so that that actually brings up a uh, uh, kind of an interesting topic uh you just mentioned uh you know setting up trail cameras, checking cards and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, are you, do you guys basically use your trail cameras all year or once hunting season comes in, you kind of step away from using them as much, or m- maybe you have the the wireless trail cameras that, that can send the pictures to your phone. I don't know, but it'd be kind of interesting to kind of hear uh, your guys' strategy with your trail cameras. Yeah, we are, you know, we're cell cam guys, no doubt about it. But, you know, most of our cams, not all are cell cams. We're about 50-50, and it seems like that number is growing more towards the cell side every year as they get more affordable as we add to our collection, I'd say. Gotcha. But, um, you know, I've always been kind of superstitious. I don't really like putting out my deer cams until after July 4th. You know, growing up, there was a there was a, a, a an a rider in North American whitetail, Dick Idle, and he was he'd always say, Look, by July fourth, you know what deer it's gonna be. You can tell it's frame. And so that's just kind of what we've always stuck to. But now, you know, we'll leave some out for turkeys. They'll stay out. We can kind of monitor how the deer grow and the fawns and stuff like that. But for the most part, we do not get head hard and heavy on the whitetail until right at, you know, that weekend after July fourth. Then we start deploying them and you, you know, and the, and the first couple of rounds are just decent, but really August right now is our primo. This is our best month uh, to get our big deer on camera. It's like, you know, we have new deer showing up every day. Obviously, the, they were probably there the whole time, but they just start moving out of their little comfort zones or whatever, and <laughs> and we start getting them at the feeders or the minerals or, or, or you know, whether they're crossing fence gaps or stuff, so. I'd say right now, I mean, it is, it is prime for us to get our big deer picks. Gotcha. And so as it, as it progresses into, uh, into season, I'm not sure when, when your guys is, when does your guys' archery season start there? October 1 in Iowa, but we start hunting 
uh, the second Saturday in September down in Georgia. Okay. Okay. So with, uh, with, with both those dates being different, do you, do you try and kind of keep cameras up so that it can kind of aid in, in which tree stands are kind of the hot tree stands? I mean, I guess once you learn a property, it probably, probably helps because you have knowledge of the property, but, um, I, I don't, I don't know what, if, uh, if, if you kind of lean on trail cams during the season to help with, with where to hunt or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, those, those guys are scouting for us all year long. And like I said, from July to, to, to January, February. So we're counting on those a lot to help us. And, um, you know, it helps us because we're big on intrusion. You know, we got our farm, our main farm there in Iowa. And, and though we love to go in and, you know, check the cams, but, but those days are kind of gone by a little bit with the cell cams. You know, as long as we got a good battery on them, we can leave them out. We don't have to go in and check that camera, check the batteries all the time. They're kind of working for us. We do a lot of cameras on time lapses on you know, whether it's a food plot or an ag field that deer are coming and going to, well, you know, those last two or three hours of daylight, we'll have that thing taking pictures, you know, every five to 10 minutes. And, and even though we may not be hunting in that certain field due to the wind, it's kind of telling us what's going on and gotcha. we can kind of have our, you know, our scout from it's, it's new age scouting, you know, that's, that's, we try to use them to our advantage, you know, and, and there's some places, you know, like Kansas and Texas, those, you know, people that can hunt in those states where you can you can run feed year round, and that can really, you know, help a ton. But you know, that's a that's another topic for another day. But it's they can be deadly for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I I could definitely see, especially. I mean, it's one thing if you have you know five acres and you have two stands up, um, or one stand. You know, it, it's a little different. But if you have twenty, thirty, forty acres and five or ten stands, I could. 100% see how that could be um, extremely helpful when uh, you know when it when it comes to trying to figure out where in the heck it's you know you want to spend your time hunting especially when you only have so much time to hunt you know that's that's important. right absolutely so it is and our cameras also will tell us you know by now you know, we're getting ready to plant our food plots. We do that the first couple of weeks of August. And so those cameras, what they've told us in the last month is really important because that's where we'll concentrate on putting some of our food. Because typically, you know, 90% of the deer, if you're getting a picture in that area now, 90% of the time they're going to stay there. You do have the ones that change home core in the rut or change home core when they start shedding velvet. But most of them, you know, 80 to 90% are going to hang out right there where you're getting their pictures now. So um, that, having the cameras being able to tell not only where we want to put our plots, but that's the areas that we want to focus on in hunting. Because, you know, me and my dad, my dad particular, he likes to pick out one buck. He likes to hunt that certain deer. So that camera helps tell him where he needs to be come fall. Me, I, 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 I don't really like doing that because it kind of sets you up for failure. But every year I find myself, you know, doing that, hunting that one certain deer, that one certain area. So it's, we kind of let the, the cameras probably dictate where we need hunt or where we're supposed to hunt a little more than we should. So, uh, but that's just, that's just kind of how we do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that that's cool. You know, uh, it, I guess that's almost the, the saying, working smarter and not harder. <laughs> Maybe that ties into right. that, huh? 
Absolutely. And it's a hobby, you know, trail cams. I mean, I've loved them. I I had the first cam tracker, you know, that ever came out and, you know, it, it, it it could take 24 picks and there were not many days during the season that I'd let more than a day or two go by. I'd press the button, roll up the film, take it to, you know, Walmart or the drugstore and, and get them processed and only to find out I had pictures of five does and two raccoons, you know, but it it was fun. And I enjoyed that, you know, and now with cell cams, I mean, that's almost like a whole different hobby, you know, it's just, it's, it's one more thing, I guess, kind of take up your time in this crazy busy world, but, but it's a lot of fun, you know, it's, it's just to keep up with your, with the animals that come and go on your farm. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously you can't really interact with them or, or talk back or anything, but it's just to see them out there in the wild, whether it's even through a video or a pic, you know, is, and, and, you know, going back to the elk hunt, I really envy those guys that can get those pics of those giant elk. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more for sure. And it's, it's funny cause I've been, I've never owned one of the cellular cameras myself, but I've been with people that have, and it always kind of cracks me up. You know, you'll be sitting there and you'll just be BSing at dinner or whatever else. And they'll get the, the certain sound will go off. They're like, Oh, that's a picture of something. <laughs> and, then, and then before you know yeah. it, we're not eating dinner anymore. And we're looking at pictures that are coming to them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a double edged sword because I had this one deer I was hunting last year and he was like, wherever I wasn't, you know, if I, and he wasn't a ghost. He was, he was a seven and a half year old buck, a giant, you know, 10 pointer. And, and he would just be, seemed like wherever I was the day before, I, I swear he had a camera on me. He was pattering me, knew, knew where I was hunting him at. But, um, and it kind of got like, I'm like, is this camera helping me or hurting me? Cause every time I get his pick, you know, <laughs> if the wind was right, I was going to be in that area that afternoon or the next day. And then I was just bouncing around one step behind him. And I'm like, Hey, I got to change my approach here. This is, this is not working. So I was like, you know, maybe I need to just chill out on these cameras a little bit and, and, and go with my hunch a little more than just, uh, chasing this deer around the farm. It felt like. Right. Yeah. I, I could imagine, um, like I said, I've never personally had those specific cameras. So I, I would, when, whenever I hunted whitetails, it was kind of like, well, I sat in that stand and didn't see shit so i'm gonna go over and try this other stand i guess right. i don't know what else to do right <laughs> no I, I feel you yeah it's uh and some days you know we, we got some farms that we don't run cameras on so as much right. as i enjoy them as much as i love it I, I do like the thought of going hunting sometimes some places where i don't have any pictures because it, it brings out that little kid in me you know i may be thinking or hoping that a giant deer is going to step out there may not be a deer that big within 10 miles of me there or in the entire state, but, but just, you know, knowing or, or thinking what Mike could step out, you know, that's, that's pretty cool. And, and, and yeah, we get some surprises that don't get on our cameras. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. We don't get pictures of all of them, but you get pictures of most of them. So sometimes it's nice to just uh, go hunt areas that you, that you don't know what's there, you know, and let, let something show up and We'll shoot it and have a good time and, and celebrate. <laughs> yeah, just be excited when it shows up. Like, oh, not there's Bob. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Yeah, we're letting him go again. Oh, this one, well, that was big. I'm shooting him. You know? so <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely, they're great tools for managing your herd and, and, you know, trying to get deer to a certain age class and stuff. But, you know, that you also can't forget 
you're having fun, you know, so you got to, at the end of the day, that, that's what's got to happen. So Absolutely. don't ever let anything technology or, or whatever take away from, you know, the fun that the outdoors brings us. Yeah, 100%. So as, as season starts to get, you know, season opener starts to get closer and closer, um, how does, how does your, for as far as whitetails goes, how does your preparation change and the things that, um, you know, the, the activities that you're focusing on then, and what I mean by that is, you know, I would assume probably when you're a week before season, you probably have your stands already hung and things like that. Um, aside from if, you know, a new deer shows up and is using something, you know, is focusing on a different area. But as, you know, as season gets closer and say, like, so a week from season opener, what would you be doing different then than you're doing now, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. (laughs) Who doesn't like elk hunting with archery equipment in September? Here's your chance to win a free archery elk hunt in Colorado and hunt alongside the president and founder of Outdoor Edge, David Block. To enter the drawing, go to OutdoorEdge.com and click on Elk Hunt Giveaway. Again, that is OutdoorEdge.com and click on Elk Hunt Giveaway. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I'll I'll be checking my cameras a lot more. I mean, I only have a few cameras that are coming to my cell phone just are are, they're coming to my email or whatever because um the way spartans work you can get on the app and look at them but right now there's so many deer in so many different spots you know between the feed we're putting out or feeders and mineral sites that i would get anxiety with my phone going off that much so i start honing in by a week before season i kind of i don't want to say i've made my hit list because that that changes so much based on deer coming and going but I kind of know, you know, where I, certain deer that I want to get after. So I'll, I'll scout them from afar if I can. If it's a spot I can glass, it's a bean field or food plot I can, I can look at with a spotting scope or something. I'm doing that. But, but mainly I'm kind of just, um, going in, going through my cameras a little more. And I may have some that I'm going in and checking and swapping out cards. But a week before season, I'm, I'm laying low. I, tr- I don't want those deer to know to feel the pressure of me coming and going or driving my foiler around. I want them to be comfortable. And that way, when I get that first good win and that first good, you know, little cool front, I can, I can hopefully strike and be successful. Gotcha. Cool. That, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, this is kind of a completely different subject, but it just came to my mind on, uh, when you said, you know, hopefully when you get a little cooler weather, um, how much weight do you put on the moon phase? <laughs> I, I don't know why that came to my mind Man. when you said that, but it did. <laughs> no, that's, you know, a lot of people ask me that. And I get that question a ton on social media. You know, they're like, okay, man, I got two weeks in November. I, I can go hunt my Illinois farm, but I got to take one week off. What would you suggest? And I was like, well, you know, uh, obviously I prefer the moon, a rising moon in the afternoons, overhead, underfoot, whatever. But at the end of the day, weather, in my opinion, weather trumps everything. So it's hard for to look ahead, you know. You know, obviously, if it was later in the calendar, you would think that you got a better chance of a little cooler weather, but it's not a guarantee. So my opinion, um, I love 
I love certain phases of the moon. I mean, there's, like I said, my favorite is a rising moon in the afternoon. It just seems like the deer get on their feet a little better. Um, and besides that, the dark of the moon, full moon, you know, can be, can be tough hunting that I've experienced, but I'm not planning hunts around the moon. I, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm just hoping, um, trying to keep my calendar open and, and, and if I'm able to, you know, if work's not getting in the way, I'm planning my hunts or, or taking certain days off to go based on the fronts and, and how the weather's looking more so than the moon. Gotcha. That, that makes sense to me. Cause I've always, uh, like what I've always focused on, I guess, is when, you know, especially, especially with filming, right. You know, as you know, when, back uh-huh. when, when that, it, uh, I read up a little bit on you and it seemed like you did that for a while. Um, when you're, when you're filming, you're, that's obviously your business or your job and you go and they go. So when you're not filming, it's like, okay, cool. I would like, to, if I can, I would like to go hunt for myself. And yeah. if, if you have an opening, you just go, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I would assume that's probably how you feel, but I don't look at the moon. I, I'm like, Hey, I have four days. I'm going, whether, whether the moon looks good or not, I'm going. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and I same same on the moon and same on the weather. I mean, if that's all you got to hunt, you know, or you can only hunt the, the weekend or whatever, you got to be in the tree because I don't care what you're doing, you're not killing them from the couch, you know. So it's uh, you just got to go hunting and um, just just hunt smart. But you can't you can't let the weather. I mean, if you have the option to go two or three days and you get the ticket, yes, of course, you know, maybe you want to consider the the weather. Um, or the moon, but if it's just hey, getting out, going when you can, by all means, you got to be out there, right? And and I I guess um, I I don't want uh, you know I I definitely didn't feel like that's what you were saying, um, so I just want to clear that up. Oh no no, you know, I no no I know what you mean yeah. yeah but I just I don't want anyone to to ever say well I have this is the only time I can go but but be disheartened i guess is a good word be disheartened with going because the moon phase is wrong or whatever it's like hey look you got four days to go hunt. Weather, yeah. go hunt and just enjoy it and you never know <laughs> right no you do you don't you never know I, that deer i was hunting last year and you know that consumed my mind consumed my time i mean it was like the warmer weather day i killed him was pretty warm but i would get pictures of him in daylight when it was warm so you know some deer are like humans they enjoy that sunshine those prettier days a little more than others but by all means i mean when you can go you gotta go yeah i mean if you just got one stand and you're wearing it out you know you know the behind your house or something you might could run them all out of there if you're you're hunting it every single day but for the most part if you're able to bounce around a little bit you know just go i mean seat time or just being in the field you know you can learn so much yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so uh before i i definitely want to uh jump into a little bit of uh, your elk hunting experiences and kind of your preparation but before we do that um with the last question I have as far as whitetails goes with, you know, all your experience in whitetails and filming them and kind of building a life around uh, and, and an entire TV show about around what you are doing basically all year to prepare for everything else. 
uh, as far as hunting goes. Um, what was one of the one of the hardest uh, or the largest hurdles to overcome for you in in doing that and and being able to harvest um, a, a whitetail that that you were excited about and happy about and and uh, you know like a whitetail that's really got you excited. What was you know what was one of the the bigger hurdles in that journey to getting to that that spot in your hunting career? Well, I mean, I guess you could say the biggest hurdle, you know, of uh, there's probably a couple of them that come to mind, but the biggest hurdle is, you know, being out in the tree with, you know, two people making noise, two people putting out scent, two people moving, you know, two big objects in a tree. I mean, that's probably your number one biggest hurdle, you know, when you're, when you're filming. But the other thing is, um, you know, when we started out doing this, um, it, it's, we do it for fun and we love it. And it's not our main job. It's not how we put bread on the table, but at the end of the day, we said it's, we're doing it cause it's fun and we love it. And if it ever got away from that, we'll drop the cameras. I'm, I mean, the camera could quit filming or quit going to the woods with me tomorrow and I'd still go hunting. Now that right. being said, there would be some days that I do push on a little harder if my cameraman's in town or something like that, but I might not go on a less ideal wind or something, but, but there is a little hurdle of, of pressure that, that really got in, got to me back when we were doing the dream season, the competition and stuff like that. And that was just, I don't miss that, you know, because when, I, I never wanted to feel pressure to go out and have to make a show. Right. So when, when you say pressure, um, kind of, kind of expand on that. Cause I mean, obviously there's, there's, with so many different types of pressure um are when you say pressure are you kind of meaning pressure to shoot a deer on camera pressure to shoot a big deer pressure to to have enough footage for an episode like what which what type of pressure are you talking about yes <laughs> yes all of the above you know because <laughs> you know back when we were drew outdoors you know we could we'd kill we're, we knew we was going to kill our, our two or three four deer a year whatever and that was fine but we had a team of hunters, a big team. Drew Outdoors Pro Staff is a, is a huge team, so they were never going to struggle to to make their DVDs at the time or, or TV shows. But now, you know, we're, we try to make between, between 10 and 12 episodes a year. And you start doing the math, you know, that's between me and my dad. we got to kill 10 or 12 animals, you know. And if, it, it, uh, you know, elk, whitetail, and, you know, this year we finally added a small game hunt and waterfowl, but... Um, if it gets to a certain point, we've never really felt that um, because I do think it adds to you. It, we've never been the type of people that'll shoot what I'd like to call TV deer or a, a smaller deer just to make a hunt. We're never going to do that. I mean, that's just not us. But last year, I was kind of feeling that. You looked up in mid-November, and uh, we'd shot like we had one elk episode and, and maybe – I don't even know if we had a deer down until mid mid November last year. So we had a little bit of pressure um, just to not only kill something, but you know, you got people following you on social media and you're like, "Eh, are they going to have anything for us to look at this year? You know, (laughs) and and, and last year was the first year I was going on the outdoor channel. It's like, what the heck, man, we got to get to shooting some stuff, but we never strayed from our formula. You know, we, we held true to only shooting mature deer, deer that we were happy with. And, and we never, let our guard down to, to shoot something that maybe you know didn't make us happy because at the end of the day if it's 
got to be an animal that makes us happy. So that's the kind of pressure um, that I think you have to overcome. But thankfully, like I said, yes, I felt that, you know, 10, eight, 10 years ago when we were competing in a more competition format show, but, but I've really never felt that pressure, um, you know, doing what, what we do now with the Lindsay way. And then, but I, I, I don't say that I felt pressure last year, but we would definitely look at the calendar and say, man, we haven't, we haven't shot anything, but we knew, we knew it would happen. We knew we would, we would get to that point, but, but that's something that, you know, you never want to, it wanted hunting to get to the point where you feel, you know, like you have to, to make a show or you have to do this or that. Right. Then it's no fun, you know, just to, to your point, then it's no right, fun. Yeah. It takes the sucks. fun out of it. <laughs> yeah. It's at that point, it's a job, you know, it's something you have to do. And, um, you know, it, we don't need that. You don't need that. Nobody needs that kind of that pressure or stress because, you know, at the end of the day, most people are, are getting out the woods, getting out, going hunting. So, to get away from all that stuff exactly get away exactly. from the stress yeah yeah get away with this and then you just create more of it <laughs> right yeah it's kind of uh created your own prison sometimes and i know you know there's other guys that that maybe you know this is their main job you know and they're they're more hardcore about it than we are so they'll put a little more pressure on themselves but hey i get it you know if that's that's what you're doing. And, you know, just like a, a, maybe a, a guide or an outfitter, you know, that's how they, they make their living, you know, putting people on animals and those people shooting animals. I guess that's what gets them coming back. So no matter what, you know, perfect world. Yes. You, you don't have to deal with that pressure and stuff and, and hunting, but it, it, it does kind of come with the territory. Yep. Yep. 100% agreed. So with, with you guys, uh, being from Iowa and, and obviously, most people that that pick up a bow at, at, at some point they dream about coming in in elk hunting. Um, that seems like one of the one of the biggest uh, biggest dreams that I see most hunters, especially uh, you know from the east or whatever. They're yeah, I I would really like to go hunt elk someday. Um, so mm-hmm. so first off with with that what what did it look like and what was kind of your experience on your very first ever elk hunt coming out here and what kind of things did you do to, to kind of prepare and, and get, get as ready as you could? Well, my first elk hunt was actually in Canada, Alberta, Canada of all places. Awesome. And to be, yeah. And, and me and my dad was, we went with a whitetail guide that we'd hunted with before. And me or my dad had no idea what we were doing. And to be honest, I don't think the, the guide had any idea what he was doing. You know, I got, I got lucky, shot a little five by five bull um, with my, with my rifle, but it was a, it was a weird hunt. Um, looking back, you know, we didn't see many elk. We scared some elk and I, I'm lucky to probably get what I, what I did. And, you know, I was probably 17, 18 at the time. I honestly don't remember, but, but that was, there wasn't a whole lot of, um, you know, there wasn't really social media then. So there wasn't a whole lot of preparing. I didn't even know really what I was getting into, but then when I started bow hunting, New Mexico and stuff like that, you know, I was, 
there was a little bit of outdoor television, not a ton. Um, there was a lot of DVDs, you know, I was watching the, the primos or the real tree, you know, elk videos, VHS, DVDs, whatever it was at yeah, the time yeah. telling my age, but <laughs> that's what I, that's what I do to kind of, kind of prepare and, um, it, and, but I, I never really was prepared, you know, yeah, I was in good shape because I was a teenager, you know, I could, yeah. I could go with anybody. My dad's always been in great shape too, but, but, um, we, we just didn't know. I think now hunters, you know, from, from, you know, online maps and YouTube and, you know, specific to where they're hunting, you can be so much more prepared now and hear podcasts or, or tips from people that, that, that know so much, you know, that's. I would have loved to have that when I first got into elk hunting, you know, because to be honest, like I said, looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't and didn't even know how far I really needed to be efficient shooting. I just would try to make it happen when it did. And we went on some semi-guided elk hunts in New Mexico and, um, you know, tent camps and stuff and um, probably should have did our homework a little more that I, I know we should have not only the areas we were going, but the kind of the outfits we were going with, but Hey, you live and learn. And, uh, it took me, uh, took me years to kind of figure out, um, you know, you know, what, where I needed to go and, and, and to plan for the future, but, and I'm still not there now, but I'm definitely going on better hunts now. You know, I guess you get older and you, you get a little more, a little more wise when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, I, I, I think so too. I think, uh, I think you, you kind of hit to a point where it's just you just have to jump in and do it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's just, yeah. it's just time to try it, and and you never know exactly where it's going to go or what's going to happen. But uh, chances are, if you go there and you just go with an attitude like, "Hey, I'm gonna make the best out of this," regardless. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's when, as you know, that's when things start to start to be good, no matter what happens, which is a huge right. bonus. Um, with, uh, you know, you mentioned going to, to Canada, which is funny cause I, I, uh, to me, it's funny, I guess, cause I filmed a guy two years ago that, uh, he actually, that was his first elk hunt too. He did it in Canada and it. And it was interesting to me because I've I've never really thought of it, to me when I think of Canada I think of moose is probably the first thing that comes to mind. Um, yeah, right. So it, it, uh, what I mean, what an awesome place to go elk hunting though too. At the same point, I mean, man, it's cool looking country. That's for sure. Uh, it is. Yeah, it was big forest where we were hunting. You know, so it was it was it was tough. It was tough hunting, but. But it was cool. It was a unique experience. Yeah, I, I, and I'd, I'd go back. I'm not saying I, I wouldn't go back, but I, but I'd go back, no doubt. Right, right, absolutely. So now, fast forward to, uh, to today. Uh, we talked a little bit about it before the podcast started recording. You said you mentioned. I think you've been going to Colorado for the past six years. Um, mm-hmm. what? You know, because obviously Colorado, I, I'm not sure the elevation of Canada, but I would assume that the mountains in Colorado are, are, are a little bit higher. Um, what? Yeah. Uh, you know, are do you do you typically kind of try and try and do cardio type workouts to get ready or um, anything like that? And then on top of that, 
Do you shoot a different archery setup for your elk hunts than you do your whitetail hunts? Yes, on both of those. I, I do shoot a, shoot a different setup. You know, I, I don't necessarily change my poundage, but I'm shooting a heavier spine arrow. That's the biggest change I've made over the last couple of years. Broadheads, um, you know, when I was shooting expandable, I would shoot one that would, you know, n- not as big a cut. Uh, last couple of years, we've, we've changed broadheads around a little bit. This fall, I'll be shooting the, the slick tricks, but um, that's one thing that we, we may have learned the hard way is trying to shoot an expandable that was a little too big. But, you know, we'd kill the elk, but wouldn't get the penetration that we wanted. So, yes, we change the arrow set up. We change the um, change of the broadheads, but but there's not a lot different we do with with sights or, or poundage or, or anything like that. I'm just kind of we're kind of just meat hunters in that regard. You know, we don't shoot a lot of 3D tournaments or anything, so we're not we are we're not bow junkies. We're more just hey, let's get it get it the best we can, or we can hit where we're aiming and and go. But oh, we over the years we've started making a few more adjustments, and that's by you know just school of hard knocks, learning the learning the hard way. And then, you know, talking about, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to agree with you. I think, um, I think it's just like you say, just trial and error. Cause I mean, yeah, nowadays it's definitely a little bit easier. Like you already mentioned, uh, you know, there's podcasts and YouTube and all that kind of stuff that, that can kind of, <clears throat> kind of help. But, um, you know, even not that long ago when I, very first started another podcast that I that that I personally own. It was I think four or five years ago, and there wasn't that many outdoor podcasts, you know. So even right, even wine before then, you know, it, maybe maybe if you're uh, you had a good subscription to like Eastman's or something like that, or um. I, I, maybe Western Hunter or I, I, I don't know, but the, the information definitely was not as readily available. So you're not kidding when you right, say yeah, it well, was trial Eastman, and error. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, now with Hunting Fool and Eastman's and, you know, I've started building points the last six or eight years. And, you know, you can build sto- points in a lot of states for, for fairly cheap, some cheaper than others. But, you know, that's that's changed the game for me. You know, I, I wish I would have been building these points you know, 20 years ago, I'd be hunting these places now, but right, I'll be hunting them eventually. Yeah, no, I, but yeah, when you talk about cardio, yeah, I, 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 uh, you know, we're, we're, uh, even though we love to eat, we love to eat snacks and stuff like that. I mean, we're, we're fairly healthy in that regard. And, but we do this time of year, we're ramping up, you know, whether it's jogging or, or running or, I mean, walking long distances, stuff like that. We are, you know, we don't we don't train hardcore by no means, but but we try to keep ourselves in shape year round. You know, we're not we're not couch potatoes. All the work that you know happening on our farms, uh, you know, we're doing that a, a lot of it ourselves. Yes, we have some help, but you know, we're out there definitely on the weekends, some weeknights, stuff like that, doing it. So we we put in the sweat equity, which in turn kind of keeps us in shape. You know, so that's my dad's. You know, 60, 63, 64 years old. Uh, can't remember. Exactly, but uh, but he's he's in great shape, you know. I I take him to the tallest mountain right now on, in British Columbia, you know, if we had the tag. So, uh, but but that being said, you know, we're in that time now where we're trying to train and 
you know, getting our heart rate up a little more. Um, but where we're hunting in Colorado now, um, southeast Colorado, it's a lot lower elevation and it's a lot easier terrain than where we started elk hunting in New Mexico and, and then in Colorado as well. It was, it was a lot higher. It was a, a lot more walking on a daily basis. So, um, you know, maybe if I was going on a different type hunt, I, I may be training a little harder, but, uh, if I had the time, you know, all, right. this, it seems like no matter how prepared you are, you're never prepared enough for, for some of these hunts. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've noticed to, to exact, you know, to kind of go off what you just said, <clears throat> I've noticed cause I have uh, buddies that are from Georgia or Pennsylvania and they, even if they are doing a ton of cardio, when they come to this elevation, yeah. it's just, it, it takes him a little bit too, uh, to acclimate. And that, yeah, you can't. It's breathing through a straw, man. It's tough. <laughs> I'm so glad it that is I tough. I mean, here. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> and then the one place we'd hunt in Colorado on, on Bandit Peak, we hunted there like, oh gosh, probably four or three or four years in a row. Um, but it had such, you know, big peaks on it that it, you might be hunting at 5,000, you know, that morning, but that afternoon you might be hunting seven or eight. Or I forget what it was, something around seven seventy-five, you know, and that, there's a huge difference, huge difference. And uh, man, it was just—you knew if you were going to the top, you was going to have a—you uh, better be prepared that evening. You better take a lot of water. Yeah. But I usually on those high elevations, I by the second or third day, I'm, I'm, if not all the way there, because you never get all the way there, but you're you're a lot better off than you were the first or second. Right. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. So, uh, last topic I'll kind of touch on is, uh, you know, you have you. I gosh, it's it's already August, which is crazy. Uh, I don't know where yeah July went. Um, but you know, it's already August, so you're probably going to be headed this direction to Colorado here pretty soon. Uh, I would imagine, right? Right. Yeah. I think the 23rd or 24th, something like that, we'll, uh, we'll be there. And there's a chance we'll be in, in Kansas the week before, you know, on the early, early muzzleloader hunt. So we're still trying to line that schedule out. And I would love to do one more elk hunt. Um, it's kind of tough on the elk hunt because we're applying for so many different states. And, you know, wherever we get drawn, we can't really start planning something, not knowing where you're going to get drawn. So, up until, you know, about two months ago, we didn't know exactly where all the chips were going to fall. Right. My dad did get drawn for a uh, for an orcs in New Mexico, so on the White Sands Missile Range. Oh, so that is so cool. He's going to New Mexico. Yeah, it's cool, man. He's going he's gonna to go hunt that. I'm going with him. We're not filming it. Obviously, we're not allowed to film it. I think we can take limited pictures as long as we're cognitive of the background and stuff. But but nonetheless, it's uh, it's going to be an awesome experience. It's It's a ton of a lifetime you know it's it's probably the only time he'll draw that tag so i really encourage him man you got to go do it you know i'll be right there with you every step of the way and and, it, and it's you know they hunt him with a rifle there and you know that's fine with me i just i want to i want to see one up close yeah those those things are so cool i i actually uh when i was filming last year in new mexico we saw one um and, oh did you oh they're so beautiful i mean it blew me away, and it was kind of crazy, you know, because probably much like you guys, when you first see one, you'd be like, where are we? <laughs> you 
Yeah, right. You know, like, here's this thing. Looks like you're in Zimbabwe. Yeah, here's this thing that's got great big spikes coming out of his head. It's got a tail that looks like a horse, and it's white, black, and gray. Like, what the, where are we? (laughs) Right, yeah, that's, it's going to be unique, you know. I wish we could film it. I wish we could document it and make a make a story out of it but that's the rules so it is what it is but it'll be pretty cool yeah absolutely it'll be pretty cool but i've we've never seen one you know so just seeing one up front you know at first is going to be crazy and then you know like i said we're going on the the white sand missile range so those guys we've had to send in all kind of background checks for me and my dad so they right they they know they know all about us now that's for sure (laughs) they probably knew if you ate crayons in the in the first grade even huh (laughs) right yeah yeah well they probably would find that in my records i probably ate a couple of them i'm sure i did too um but, (laughs) but anyways jeff i i have really enjoyed this and i i think it would be excellent at a, you know, at a later date to have you back on when, obviously, if you have time, uh, and and really dive into uh, specific strategies surrounding some whitetail stuff or surrounding some filming, yeah, um, or something like that. I and and even even specific strategies on on archery hunting. Like I, I would I would really like to just dive into something like that with you. That would be awesome. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, you just let us know. and cool. You know, we always get time for a podcast. They're a lot of fun. I enjoy listening to them myself, so right. I, I don't mind contributing. Well, cool. Well, thanks again, and uh, I look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, sounds good, man. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed being on here. Thank you for listening in. Be sure to like comment, subscribe, and share. We hope to have you tuning in for the next episode.